Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you here and appreciate you venturing out in the midst of flu season. Um, it's good to see you here. I'm glad you're well enough uh, to be here. We're going to jump right in this morning. Um, we've got two more weeks after today, if you were counting the days. Um, saw Dana this morning. We missed you, Dana. I thought maybe you thought you'd waited this out, and now you found out you haven't. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it's good to see you all. Um, so today, um, we're in the, still in the third uh, stanza, third article of the Creed, right? Believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, right? The communion of saints, that was last week, right? The forgiveness of sins is today, okay? The forgiveness of sins. And, and these are all linked in the third article. We'll try to get to that. But just to remind us of something important, because uh, we haven't said it for a few weeks, and that was um, the creed was used in its earliest days and, and has been used uh, from the very beginning um, in worship, right? It wasn't just a theological document that the early church composed, sat it on a shelf and said, whew, glad we got that all figured out. And now we can go on to something else. Um, no, it was an integral part of their worship, uh, particularly at really, really important moments uh, at the Eucharist, at baptism, at funerals, things like that. Um, the, the times when you most need to be reminded of who God is, who, who is this God that we worship and serve, and, and who are we, and, and what's God doing in the world, and how are we part of that? And so we've tried to remind ourselves each week. Um, we've been trying to be reminded of the truth that's been distilled, and it is distilled. We found out that there's a lot in this creed. Uh, it's a few words, but it's, it's distilled uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, reflection on God. Um, we hope and pray and believe guided by the Spirit, right? And so we have this treasure that's been handed down to us. And um, it's the, this part, the, the Apostles' Creed particularly, uh, is, a, is a baptismal creed. And um, I've always been struck um, that this phrase, the forgiveness of sins, uh, is in the third article. Right, which might be kind of surprising, right? Because growing up, and even now, um, we think about the forgiveness of sins tied to Jesus, rightly. Okay? And, and we have already alluded to that, right? In the phrase, crucified, died, and was buried. So, uh, the creed doesn't say all that's going on. When we talked about the cross, we try to remind ourselves all the ways that Scripture talks about the cross. Um, but we know that, as Christians, our forgiveness by God is bound up with Jesus in the cross. And yet, the phrase, the forgiveness of sins, this is one of our deep convictions, one of the things that we believe and trust in, shows up in the third article. Right about the Holy Spirit, 
and the effects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's if you don't remember anything today. Okay. Um, keep thinking about that. Because I think if you hold on to that, um, it'll keep uh, the forgiveness of sins as just being a phrase that sort of just hangs out there on its own. Um, but that this is not just a historical statement about what God has done in Jesus. It's absolutely tied to that. But this phrase shows up in the third article of the Creed about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, the communion of saints. That's us. And it's interesting, the only thing, this is what's surprising, the only thing that the creed says about our life, right, is the forgiveness of sins. And, and this is, if you will, sort of the foundation of our daily lives. This deep trust and assurance that our sins have been forgiven in Christ. And the creed wants us to know that that has implications for what God is still doing in the world because the Holy Spirit is still bringing to completion the work begun in Christ. Right? That's, that's the role of the Spirit. The role of the Spirit is to, to bring to completion God's desired work in the world begun in and through Christ. And so... I just wanted to kind of start with that little bit of surprise. The other thing that's surprising here, and it's probably not surprising to anyone in this room because at least many, if not most of you, um, have a, a fairly long tradition uh, in the church. And so many of you were told, maybe before you, um, you could even repeat the words, um, certainly before you could understand the full implications, you, you have been told, many of you, uh, since you were very small, um, that God wants to forgive you of your sins. Right? This is a central aspect of the Christian faith, forgiveness. Um, and yet, if it's possible, I mean, um, you might try to remind yourself that there's a reason why the creed has this as a central conviction that we need to remind ourselves and actually say out loud because not everybody in the world, not even some Christians, um, may actually believe in forgiveness, right? Um, or to say it more carefully, um, on my best days, well, yeah, yeah, on my good days, not my best days, on my good days, um, I'm confident in God's forgiveness of me. Um, I'm less confident that other people should be forgiven. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, assuming that, I'm assuming that's a slightly nervous laugh because you recognize the sentiment. Right? Um, yeah. And, and we're not alone. I mean, we're Christian people. Right? We regard ourselves followers of Jesus. Um, but there are plenty of people in the world who think that forgiveness is just stupid. I mean, they will tell you that. I mean, there are plenty of people they would tell you who not only don't deserve forgiveness, they should not be forgiven. Right? And that might sort of make put you a little on edge, but it's, it's true. You don't have to talk to very many people, right? 
uh, before you bump into people who think, no, this idea of forgiveness, I mean, what do you mean just letting people off the hook? Like, what's that about? No. Um, not at all. And so that, again, just to kind of remind us that something that you've internalized, and the harder you find that to imagine, probably the more you've just sort of internalized this, you don't realize how odd it is. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there um, who, whose lives are actually defined in some ways. Um, their own identity is partly shaped by the people they refuse to forgive. You may know people like that. Um, you, you can tell in talking to them that they, all the people in, in their lives that have wounded and scarred them um, actually shape their identity. That's who they are. I'm the person who's been deeply hurt by this person, this person, this person. That's who they are. Right? So just a reminder that this notion of the forgiveness of sins is not... Um, it's, it's not immediately obvious that it's good news. Um, and if you've, ever, if you've ever wrestled, and I'm, I'm guessing that you have, if you've ever wrestled with trying to allow God's forgiveness to flow through you to another person that you found it really difficult to forgive, then, then maybe you have a little bit of sympathy for a person, another person who finds it difficult. Um, and to be clear, forgiveness is, is not easy, and it's certainly not a human work. It's in the third article of the Creed for a reason. It's a work of the Spirit. Um, and it's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. Uh, we've talked in here about miracles, um, that God still does miracle, and, and forgiveness is a, is a kind of miracle. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go and offer some examples that are, that are breathtaking. Um, but the other thing to be clear about, again, you don't need me to remind you of this, is um, this is one of those places, because this is the only, the actually the only phrase in the creed that refers to our kind of daily life, we're reminded that it is a daily thing. Right, this is not theoretical. Right. You might say, well, okay, the articles, you know, sort of has three, uh, the creed has three articles because God is triune and I don't really understand that. Like, I'm never going to understand that, but just too, um, too much of a divine mystery for me. Um, I'll keep trying to understand. I don't even know if I have to understand it. Um, but this, this is daily life. This is not theoretical. Um, the creed doesn't announce that this is one of our deep convictions because maybe someday, uh, possibly, you might have to forgive somebody. Or somebody might have to forgive you. Um, this is pretty daily life stuff. Um, it's a rare day that goes by where I don't have to ask for forgiveness from someone. Right? Um, so this is, this is pretty daily life stuff. So we're going we're gonna to focus. Um, I mean, we could say a lot about um, how we have been forgiven uh, by Christ 
and the assurance that we have that that's part of our conviction. Um, and to be reminded, this is, this is God's way of, of loving us, right? Um, because God, God wants our best. And, and unforgiveness is a kind of bondage. It is a kind of bondage. Um, when, we when we refuse, when I refuse to forgive another person, um, we think we're primarily inflicting, it's, it's, it's our version of revenge, right? Um, if you've wounded me and I refuse to forgive you, it's my way of getting back at you. It's like, hey, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna forgive you. You don't deserve it. Um, because you, what you know is that other person is also in bondage, right? If you've ever wounded another person really deeply, and I'm assuming that you have, I certainly have, you know, you know the bondage that you feel. You know the weight of guilt and shame from that. I think about the times when... Um, my children, you're younger, and I'd lose my temper with one of them and, and yell at them um, or, or whatever, right? And I wasn't justified. I just lost my cool, right? And, and I, I would feel so horrible. And, and I knew that they... I mean, that I was kind of in this deep bondage. It's almost like I had chains on me. And I, and I knew that the child that I wounded had the key to unlock it, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm indebted to them. I, I, need, I need to come to them. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to apologize. I need to say I was sorry. I need to say I was wrong to do what I've done. And... And the, the liberation, the relief, when that child is willing to turn the key, right, and release me from that bondage. It's, it's liberating. It's life-giving, right? I need that. But what happens when you come to me and you ask for my forgiveness? And I'm saying, huh. It'll be a cold day before I give you the keys, right? No way. No way I'm unlike. You're going to have to live with that, right? And, and that's part of the dynamic. And, and I think that I'm just hurting them, but the truth of the matter is I'm also shackled. I'm also, I've got my own chains. That, that key doesn't just unlock their bondage. That key also unlocks my own because until those chains are loosed we're both in bondage because again I'm just as I just said earlier I'm just the victim right I just go on every day um, thinking I'm I am the wounded one that's who I am every day I wake up and think I'm the person that that person wounded and that's not God's I mean God's desire for us that's not, that's not God's best God doesn't walk, want me walking through life thinking my identity is, root, is rooted in all the people who have wounded me. That's my identity. I'm the person that was wounded deeply by this person and that person and that person. 
No. So God's forgiveness, I mean, it's true. I mean, sometimes people will say, the reason you forgive people is for you. That's only half the truth. It is true that unforgiveness is a kind of poison that you take yourself. That's absolutely true. You think you're poisoning the other person. And at one level you are, but you're also poisoning yourself. And so we need to be reminded that this, this good news in the third article of the Creed, that we, that we confess with our, our lips and we hope our lives, is that God has set loose this dynamic in Jesus that our sins are forgiven by God, that we've been given this gift, right? And that's why it's the foundation of the whole Christian life, because we're reminded, and it's why the creed can be so um, concise here, just saying the forgiveness of sins. That's, what, that's, that's pretty much all you need to know about the Christian life. If you understand that, everything else follows. Because that, that's the deep and abiding grace, right? Um, it, it fuels everything else because forgiveness is grace, right? When I say to myself, I'm not going to forgive them. They don't deserve it. I need someone to whisper in my ear. Of course they don't. It's a gift, right? If you're waiting for someone to earn your forgiveness, then you've turned it into something that's not a gift because gifts aren't earned. <coughs> I didn't deserve, I didn't earn God's forgiveness, and neither did you. And so actually what Christians are doing, I'm not, I'm not granting them my forgiveness so much as I'm allowing this gift of God's forgiveness that I've received to flow through me to them. And that's really important to be clear about, because some people say, you know, I just, I just can't do it. And you're right, you can't do it on your own strength. God's not asking you to. God's not asking you one wake up one day and, and try to find the strength within you to give them your forgiveness. And the, the less that you've actually thankfully, gratefully received God's forgiveness and are aware that you and I are, have received God's forgiveness probably the more difficult you'll find to offer it. But you're offering God's forgiveness to them. Okay? You're offering God's forgiveness to them. And so, it's one thing for me to sort of let myself off the hook and say, well, I'm just not a good enough Christian to forgive them. I wish I were. But I just can't bring myself to do that. It's what, that's one thing. But that makes it sound like the problem is I'm just a defective Christian. Right, um, but the truth of the matter is, I mean, what I what I have to what I should have to force myself to say is, I'm actually unwilling for God's forgiveness to reach you through me. And God wants to bring the forgiveness of God to this person through me. It's going to do God's work in me on the way. Um, but it's a very different thing. Uh, to say, it'll be a cold day before God forgives you through me. Okay. I mean, if we say that, I mean, that's, that's not just about being 
Uh, that's, not, that's not about being a, a, a bad Christian. That's saying, God, I'm not going to allow God to do a miracle through me. Because not about you. You don't have to be a good person to let God do a miracle. I mean, God's not waiting for good people. Thanks be to God. Right? If God were waiting for us to have our act entirely together before God could work a miracle through us, we'd all be in despair. It's not about that. It's about, am I willing for God to do a miracle through me? That requires nothing more of me than my willingness to let God to act. Okay? It's, it's about God. It's not about me. Now, I don't make it sound like that's easy. I don't make it sound like that's easy. Uh, and the deeper the wound, the more hesitant we may be, understandably, to allow God to work through us. But we shouldn't ever think that the problem is that we're just not a good enough Christian to forgive somebody. Because God's not asking you to give them your forgiveness in your own strength. This is the third article of Creed that's about the power of the Spirit. Okay. And if you find yourself in a position where, if you're honest, you don't even know if you want that person to be forgiven. Which we occasionally find ourselves in that. If, if we're honest before God and ourselves, it's like, I, I don't even know, I really want them to suffer for what they did to me. You're not proud of it, that's where you are. Then, I, then I'd encourage you to pray that God would give you the desire for their forgiveness. Right? Start where you are. If you don't even, if, if the problem with you is not, it's not that I can't allow God's miracle to work for me. It's like I don't even want that. Then start there. Right? Um, say, dear God, I I want to want that, but right now I don't. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I should. I don't want this person's forgiveness, but I'm pretty sure I should. Because we believe in the forgiveness of sins, and not just the forgiveness of my sins, but the forgiveness of everyone's sins, right? Um, God wants well-being for all people, not just me. This, this story that we're telling in the creed is not just about me. I'm included in it, you're included in it, but... The whole creed is pulling us into something bigger than us, right? So God's, God's desire has been to draw us into the communion with God. But God knows we can't be in full communion with God as long as we're in bondage. Right? Which is why, I mean, just to be clear here and remind you, I mean, God didn't wait until Jesus to be a God of forgiveness. Right? All over the Old Testament, there's this refrain about being uh, Yahweh, God, is a God of mercy and compassion, right? Um, a forgiving God, whether it's in Jeremiah or Isaiah, or even if you were in the journey worship service, uh, Mark read us uh, Psalm 130, um, where the psalmist talks about, you know, if, if you were a God who who sort of 
you know, tallied up our sins, who, who could stand? Who could stand before you if you, like, kept track? Like, if you were a God who sort of, you know, just, stood, just sat in heaven and made tally marks every time I messed up. I mean, who, who could stand before you? So that you, you are a God of abundant forgiveness. Right? So, so Jesus is, is embodying that in spades. But it's not like God's character changes when Jesus comes. God's always been a God of forgiveness. And God has always called us to be a people of forgiveness. And so one way of thinking about uh, the work of the Spirit here in this third article is, is God's character, God's merciful, compassionate, forgiving character, is trying to, to take flesh in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. That's us. How is God going to take flesh? Through the forgiveness of sins. Right? This may be some of the most important work we do in the world as the body of Christ is to be uh, willing agents of God's forgiveness and reconciliation. Willing uh, channels, if you will, for God's forgiveness to reach the world. Not just with our lips. We don't just have a message of forgiveness, although we do. We are called to be a people who are known to, even if imperfectly, even if imperfectly, to embody God's forgiveness by allowing the Spirit of God, the very same Spirit that animated Jesus, that's, again, every time I say that out loud, it sort of makes my breath catch, right? The very same Spirit that animated Jesus, God has given to us to animate our lives, to take flesh in our lives so that God might have an ongoing witness to God's desires for the world. And God doesn't, God doesn't require that we be perfect vessels for that to happen. If you know anything about Scripture, God seems to glory in using broken vessels, chipped pots like us, right? So that the glory is to God and not to us, okay? And again, that's good news. That's really, really good news. And so, we're called to forgive. Um, part of Jesus' scandal in his own ministry and life was the way that his very way of working in the world, his very, his, very, his very way of moving in the world scandalized people because it was clear he was open to, to sharing his life with notorious sinners. Right? Um, he scandalized people. It's like, how can you be a prophet of God if you're hanging out with those people? Don't you know they're sinful? Um, but of course, the people who are saying that, uh, like me, um, 
have the habit uh, of being able to see other people's sins much easier than their own. Right? Uh, which is certainly my, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, when it comes to other people's sins, like my eyesight's 20-20. Right? Like, I mean, it, it, my vision's not blurry at all. It's like, I, I can see it from, you know, 100 yards away, like, boy, you got problems. Maybe you don't see it, but I do. And uh, I probably won't even wait for you to ask, and I'll tell you. Right? Yeah. It's it's the it's the magic glasses that Dana got for me. Not not a new issue, right? Right. I mean, Jesus is the one who says, you know, take the giant beam out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye, right? So apparently it's not a new issue. It's not just me, maybe. Um, maybe not just you. Um, but what, what's it mean to have a spirit of forgiveness? I've come to see, the older I get, and the clearer I am about how frail and broken that I am, the more I find it a little bit easier to forgive. Right? Um, looking back on my life, I realized the spirit of unforgiveness in my own life was probably tied to the fact that I thought, you know, I do need forgiveness, but not so much. I'm a pretty good person. I mean, particularly look at everybody else around me. Right? That's the comparison, right? It's like, compared to everybody else, I'm, I'm pretty good. I mean, I got some things I need to be forgiven at, but I'm, I'm not that bad. But once, once you get old enough to take on a stock of your life, and, and you know the dark places um, in, your, in your heart that maybe other people don't, um, maybe you, you find it a little easier to offer the grace that you've been given to other people. At least I found that so. Um, and then I'm also, I mean, struck by just the stories of other people in my life and around the world and through history who have been willing to be used by God um, to forgive things that most of us would think, I don't know how that can be forgiven. Right? I mean, I'm like going off on the person that just cut me off on 26, <laughs> right? I'm in the car by myself so I can yell, right? It's like, what are you doing? You're an idiot, right? Um, but then, let me just tell you one, tell you one story as we come to close. I mean. Yesterday, as many of you might know, was uh, International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, and the shower this morning, I was thinking about that, but I was also thinking of 
uh, a different genocide that we don't talk about, and I'm pretty sure we don't have a day on the calendar to remember it. I don't want to minimize the Jewish Holocaust at all. Um, but just remind ourselves that that's not the only really horrifying chapter in recent history that reminds us of what human beings, even Christian people, are capable of doing. Um, most of you probably well remember, again, even though we don't talk about it much, um, in 1994, in the, in the country of Rwanda, in Africa, uh, was one of the most horrifying <coughs> genocides human beings have um, documented. And lots of things made this particularly horrifying. Um, it took place in just a hundred days. And in a hundred days, we don't have accurate counts because it happened so much and so many people were buried in mass graves. We don't really have a firm count, but we know in a hundred days, somewhere between 800,000 and a million people were slaughtered. That's roughly one out of eight people in the country. So think about if one out of eight people in the United States in a hundred days was just gone. Okay. Many, many, many of them were killed by people that they knew. Neighbors. Okay. We don't have time to talk about the whole historical background of the um, what had been created actually by um, a, a whole colonial system over many, many decades that uh, created kind of ethnic tensions between different groups in the area. Um, that originally had nothing to do with ethnicity. Originally, the divisions in the country had to do with class, actually, different uh, way, different jobs that people held. Uh, but again, and again the, the government was able to stir up this resentment among uh, these two, the Tutsis and the Hutsis. And, and at the time, Rwanda was known as the most Christianized country in Africa. Okay. So, I mean, you can imagine, I mean, what chaos would there be in our country if we woke up one day over a hundred days and we had slaughtered one out of eight people in our country? What, what do you do next? How can, how can healing ever come to that? What would it even look like? And these were people that you knew. And it, and it wasn't, and again, it was really intimate killing, if there is such a thing, right? These weren't people dropping bombs from 30,000 feet. These were people hacking each other to death with machetes. Okay? It was 1994, not so long ago. One of the things that happened is that they had tens of thousands of perpetrators in prison. And they, I mean, they couldn't, they didn't have enough place to hold people. I mean, and they knew they were, <laughs> they knew that was never 
the president of Rwanda knew that was never going to solve the problem. He couldn't lock everybody up. That, that wasn't going to bring any healing to the country. And so he decided, right, the president of Rwanda decided that if, if the perpetrators in prison um, were willing, it was, it was like a truth and reconciliation process, similar but not identical to the one that took place in Africa that you know of. Um, but they, they were willing to acknowledge their part in it, right? That they would set up sort of local, uh, local groups to, to work through this and encourage people to actually meet and talk through with uh, the victims' families and to do what they could to reconcile and this is over many years. But it's a, it's a pretty remarkable story. If you want to know more about it, there's a, a really good film called As We Forgive, which is from the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And the film focuses on two women, which we'll talk about one, uh, Rosario, um, who her entire family, her entire family uh, was killed. She was also injured badly, left for dead. She was hacked with a machete, stabbed, beaten, left for dead. She survived, and so did the child in her womb. That's the only family she had left. Uh, and she named the child Cadu which is French for gift. And she was able uh, to meet with um, the person, one of the people that was uh, responsible for killing her family, who again was someone that she knew. Try to imagine that. And she was able, by God's grace, by the Holy Spirit, to forgive the people that slaughtered her entire family. And she says something in that film that I'll never be able to forget, and I wanted to get it right, so I wrote it down. I want to read you this as, as we close. She says, how can I refuse to forgive when I'm a forgiven sinner too? I did not create this man, meaning the man who was the perpetrator of this violence. I did not create this man. Even my family that he killed, I did not create them. His crime was against God who created the people he killed. So I placed everything in the hands of God. And what's remarkable when you watch the film is long before she says that in the film, you can't help but be struck by the peace that just exudes in her body 
that somehow she is at peace with the world. You're thinking, how is that possible? How would it be possible for someone to have lost just about everything to have that peace? But she was willing, by God's grace, the work of the Spirit, to forgive what seems like not only the unthinkable, but the unforgivable. She was willing to do that, and I think about her a lot when I'm struggling with the petty things I won't let go. <clears throat> right? I mean, if she was able, by God's grace, to allow God to work a miracle through her, then who am I to stop God's grace flowing through me? Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you great thanks that you have reached out to us with this unimaginable mercy and compassion and grace and forgiveness that we know we have not deserved. May we devote the rest of our days to living in gratitude, not least, not least living in gratitude for that forgiveness by allowing that forgiveness not simply to flow to us, but to th flow through us in the days ahead. We need your spirit, O oh God. We know we're weak. We know we're frail. We know we're broken. And yet you've promised still to work a miracle through us. May we be known here in this place as the people who are willing for God to do a miracle through us. We pray this through the one through whom we have seen most clearly the lengths to which you will go to love and forgive us, even Jesus Christ. <clears throat>